In the following live session recording, Zachariah Sainer, Ministry Consultant for Royal Ambassadors Youth on Mission and Challengers with National WMU in Birmingham, leads the session entitled, Tell the Story. The listener will hear how to empower kids to be on mission for Christ and to give them the tools they need to confidently share the gospel with everyone they meet. Let's join Zachariah now. Well, welcome everyone. Tell the story. My name is Zachariah Sager. I work at the National WB office in Birmingham. So I'm very excited to be here today. My folks live in Alpharetta, so it's kind of like coming home. Although I will say, I haven't been to South Georgia very often. We went on a couple field trips when I was a kid, so that's kind of all I know, but it's really nice to be here. Um, so what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about storytelling and the power of a good story. Um, hopefully all of us can think of stories in our lives that we've heard over the years, maybe as a child, maybe as an adult, that have really shaped who we are as people. Uh, maybe taught us an important lesson, maybe uh, made us laugh, maybe made us cry, I don't know. But uh, I'm going to tell a story right now that has meant a lot to me um, because it just brings me joy every time I think of it. And every time I tell it, it's, it's um, So as I'm telling this story, I want you guys to think of that's impacted you in some way. You're ready to be a storyteller yourself. I already got one volunteer picked out, so <laughs> be ready. Be ready. And this story is 100% true. Okay, for the recording, it's not true. So one day, my dad and I were driving down the highway. We we're going to go visit somebody at the, the hospital in North Georgia. North Georgia. And uh, somebody from our church that had gotten sick, and so we were going to go up there and see how they were doing. But as we were driving up 400, or down 400, I don't know which way it would be. I was very young, I didn't understand the direction. <laughs> we noticed this uh, coming up behind us. It was weaving in and out of cars, back and forth, back and forth. I mean, just really booking it. And so we tried to get over, but it was up on us before we could do anything about it, and it swerved around us swerved in front of us, and as it swerved in front, the back doors of the ambulance opened up, and this huge ice chest like a cooler, fell out and burst all over the highway. So we skidded off the road to try to avoid this huge mass of ice. And then we looked ahead, and we were like, oh man, like did they see it fall out? But no, they just kept going. They weaved in and out of another car, and the door shut, and just kept going. Both cars are buzzing by. And finally, there's a little bit of break in the traffic, so my dad and I go over, and we're like, what if this is like a heart transplant, or like something super vital, like a brain transplant? I don't know what you transplant, something important. So we're digging through the ice, digging through the ice, and finally, um, I find in a Ziploc bag a human toe. Right? Stop shopping. And I, I'm like, Dad, what do, we, what do we do with this? What are we supposed to do? I mean, Somebody needs his toe, like they're gone, like who's don't have to match the toe, like Cinderella's shoes, like who knows, like whose toe is this? It's exactly the only thing that we can do in this situation is all I love that story. I love that story. It serves no purpose other than to make people laugh. You know? But some stories like that really do um, mean something after a while. And you, the more you tell it, the more it becomes part of who you are. And so, if I'm a little corny, if I'm a little <laughs> silly sometimes, it's because I've told the story too many times. 
Um, another story that I was always told by my great-grandmother um, was more of a cautionary tale. She didn't like us um, playing around in the drainage ditches around her house. And she wanted to make sure that we were safe, so she made up the story about the infamous poop snake. Have y'all ever heard of a poop snake? I hadn't either. Turns out they're not real. But at the time, they seemed real. This was a snake that was so crafty that it would bite the end of its tail and roll up into a circle and roll and chase the little kids that were in ditches and then let go of their tail and shoot out little bars and sting children. That kept me out of the ditch, y'all. <laughs> it wasn't real, but that story had power for a little kid, you know? Because um, I thought, man, something scary. So you've heard a couple of stories. One cautionary tale, one for fun. What's the story that's meant something to you? <laughs> and even if you can't remember the story properly, maybe you can just tell us the elements of the story. Okay, I'm, my very first mission trip to the Cold War was quite an adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, and we worked in two different areas. We did a Hitch Bible School in Apopto, which is about. 2,000 feet elevation, which is crazy. And we took a bunch of teenagers. Uh, my daughter was one, she was 14. They were like 14 and 15, and they were so close. So at the end of the week, um, the people were so appreciative of us. We did Bible school and events, Bible school. So they prepared this wonderful meal. And it, I mean, piles of fruit, and that they brought from the coast. Potatoes and just the finest things. Uh, and on our plate was a, a piece of meat. And we told all of the girls, and one of it was a little claw. And so we told all of the girls that it was guinea chicken, that it was a quarter of a chicken, it was guinea chicken. Uh, and when we got in the van, we did tell them that it was actually guinea chicken. Oh. But, they raised guinea pigs quick for that's a delicacy. But we could not tell them that from our hosts. What would that be like? Two chicken nuggets? No, it was actually a quarter of a quarter of a something not real big. Yeah. And the bottom did not look like a chicken. <laughs> but they didn't need to know that. They did not need to know that. Well, see, that, that's an example of a story of something that really did happen. Yes. You know, that, that stuck with you and, and has you know, told some truth about how much you need to share. And I learned sometimes don't need to share all you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, any other stories? Maybe things that actually happened. Or... It is delicious, by the way. Okay. <laughs> it is good. I'll get his hat some down there. That's great. Um, and so maybe it's a story that really happened that stuck with you, or maybe it's a story that, like mine, wasn't necessarily true, but it told the truth. It told some people the truth. What, what other stories do we have? Lauren. <laughs> My husband's a great storyteller. We've lived a long time. Like, um, yeah. There's something about uh, mine are just funny experiences, I guess. Like, my most embarrassing moment growing up was, um, I danced, and I was in competitions. We had one that was kind of an embarrassing 
costume over a popcorn. I don't know if you've ever heard the song popcorn. There's no word. It's just sounds like something bouncing, you know. And so we were dancing to that song, and at the end, we all needed to roll off the stage different directions. And I was in the middle, so I was the last to roll off the stage. But um, instead of rolling straight toward the curtain, I started rolling toward the orchestra pit. Okay. And I didn't, I didn't realize it, but I did hear like gasps across the audience. And so I stood up in time for a good time. So I, I stood up in time and just waved as I walked off stage. So that that was embarrassing. I mean, I was seven or eight years old, but for the longest time, that was my most embarrassing moment. I'm sure I've stopped it since. But see, that's a story of formations. You know, it's a it's something that stuck with you. Be careful when you're dancing to this popcorn song. You might fall into an orchestra. Okay, one more, story. one more story. Let's look for one that maybe you heard as a kid. Maybe you had a grandmother or grandfather that told you these kind of stories and stuff. That you Anything, maybe not. Or maybe you heard the story at camp. <laughs> There's something interesting that exists at camp that my girls swear is real. <laughs> yeah. uh, at Camp Pinnacle in North Georgia, we have a lake that's man-made. And there are some massive fish that live in this lake. I don't know what they are. Carp or something. And we, the lodge is the place where, like, the dining hall, the gym, the lodge rooms, like hotel rooms are. And there's a balcony because it's two stories. And there's a balcony that looks over. You can really see into the lake. And from the lake, when you're looking in, I mean, from the balcony when you're looking into the lake, they look like they look even bigger. Like they are just look so huge out there. And we tell the girls that kayaks, we, I don't know when this started, there's a tradition of telling them that they're beaver sharks that live on the lake. <laughs> beaver sharks. <laughs> and you cannot get, that's why we don't swim in the lake, because a beaver shark will get you. That's why we bring kayaks, we have to stay in the kayak, because you do not want to mess with a beaver shark. And the girls, and we've had missionaries get in on it, like Bill Barker, <laughs> who backpacks. He was a great storyteller too, and he was because when they are eating their snacks on that balcony, they can look out and see how big those things look out there. And they just go home believing it. And this is insane. I don't know if you know about this. A camper last summer told her mom that she fell out of the kayak and was bitten by a beaver shark. <laughs> <laughs> so, she had a scratch on her. She, so she was convinced. She was convinced. This is a beaver shark. So she never fell out of the kayak. Like it was total tall fell. But her mom called the health department who called our administrator. Y'all, stories shape who we are as people, and they always have. People have gathered around fires for thousands of years, probably as long as there have been people. Abby probably told stories. I guess for them it wouldn't be a campfire, it'd just be a fire. I don't really know how that works. Anyway, but they've been telling stories. And and long before people ever wrote anything down, they were telling these stories over generations. Um, and even today, most people around the world pass on this history, pass on these cautionary tales of beaver sharks through oral storytelling. Um, so that should tell us that there's something about a good story that sticks with somebody. Um, 
the stories can change and morph over time, but um, the best stories hold on to those central truths that are trying to be told and shared to generations. Um, and you can see that in Bible times. Um, you know, you got the writings of these different stories that, that have been told generation after generation. Thankfully, we've gotten into the Holy Spirit and you know, working through these people to write these things down. But by and large, I mean, not everyone was had their own personal Bible that they were telling these stories out of every night. You know? They would have a priest or somebody who's in charge of the scripture, the sacred text. They would read it, and then it was up to those people that heard it to then tell those stories the best way that they could. Um, so details maybe sometimes weren't always you know, 100% of the core of what the story was about, the very heart of the faith that people preserved. Jesus even told stories. Um, you know, his parables, just another word for, for story, um, to illustrate points, to illuminate truths about who he was and how we we're supposed to act as people. Um, so if Jesus told stories, I think we can tell stories too. Um, so, when you're telling stories, to me it's important to tell these kind of stories that are fun and Important stories that you can tell are stories from our from the Holy, the Holy Bible, um, because those are the very foundation of who we are as Christians. The stories make up who we are. And, and in fact, the Jewish people have preserved their history and, and their story of being liberated from Egypt uh, by Moses to this day. I mean, every good Jewish student, every good Jewish person that's studying the scriptures when they have their life, so knows this story. I mean, I don't think that you could not know the story of Moses and still call yourself like a Jew, if that makes sense. And so for us, like, what are, the, what are those stories for us? They're stories about Jesus. Um, the story about the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ are what make us Christians. Um, it, the, that story transforms our lives in a way that's uh, unchangeable. Or, or that's unique in the world. I think that that's important. So as you guys are telling stories to your kids, keep that in mind. You know, what stories are you telling them and, and are you making sure that you tell them the stories from our, our stories? Um, before I go any further, I want to give you guys a chance to get to know each other a little bit better. Um, I really enjoy meeting you guys. I know the, the different staff members enjoy meeting you, but I feel like it's important when we come together like this we need each other because you never know who in a different uh, town is going to be sitting across from you has a like mind and a like heart for this children. So we would go through and maybe say your name, where you're from, how you're serving, and one thing that you want to bring from this conference, not this one in particular, but in general, back to where you're from. I'm Sheila Finblad. I'm from Garden City, Georgia, just outside of Savannah. Um, I serve a lot of different roles in our church, and I'm sure most of you do. You know, when you take one on and you do it well, then you give it to another. <laughs> um, but I do kids' church um, with with our kids and on children's committee, so I run a lot of the, the quarterly activities that we have for our children. The one thing that I want to take away from the conference, I guess, is um, how to um, bring more kids into what we already do. How how to um, make this a catalyst, I guess, for for um, the next generation. And I am in the process of mentoring two younger women 
on now. So trying to get them enthusiastic and involved and, and ways to kind of bridge that, I think, <coughs> generation. I'm Karen Pace, and I serve on the staff of Georgia Baptist Women. So thank you for the gifts that you make here at church. Uh, the timing, goes to the Pumpkin Program, that supports both Tabitha and I, that we get to focus for, you know, full time on supporting our Georgia Baptist churches. But I think what I want to walk away with is just insight on how we can better support you to be successful in the roles that God's called you to especially in the area of, you know, blame in this class of preschool and children, but just in general, in connecting with other people in your community and church and around the world, we want to walk alongside you and help you fulfill that. So that's one of the things I just love the connections and meeting with you. I'm Kathleen Farrell, on staff of the Women, and my role is I'm the camp director of Camp Pinnacle, our girls' vision camp in Reagan County, and I'd love to have some girls from your churches come to camp we just would undergird what you're already doing with missions uh, by creating an experience for them where they're learning about missionaries, our missions, and meeting missionaries. And in my church, I teach missions to the kids, take uh, kindergarten through fifth grade, uh, once a month. And so, just personally, too, I want to uh, walk away with something that I can add to that. Um, Lauren Sullivan, welcome all French Baptist and Elbel, and uh, I'm GA leader. I, I love the famous phrase that we for our whole training because um, I do, I'm reading a lot of books and my husband is a great storyteller, but I love how everybody's story uh, comes together, like things that happen to previous generations, how that affects my generation and how it will affect future generations, how it's going on in your church might be affecting my church, and, um, so my favorite to learn from each other. I'm Brenda Bracken, I do countryside. I just recently started there, so uh, I'm going to be involved in the Good News Club. And um, passion is my heart. I'm just, uh, missions is my passion as well. I should say. I've been on several mission trips out of country and in country. And what I hope to gain from this is to be able to give an enthusiasm to the girls about sharing their story. Just being a huge place and just here to take 
Scatter all the notes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Lisa Thompson. I'm from the Georgia Baptist, where I'm a pianist and have taught me since about the school for ever. Um, it appears I may be doing missions with children once a month, and nobody else is going to do it. But if it's going to get done, by golly, here we go. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I, one of the things I, I enjoy events like this so many today. Um, I'm president of Georgia WD and it gives me the opportunity to meet women so that I can go back and support and water with every way possible which is discipleship and encouraging people's discipleship the churches uh, across the state. I'm Nikki Mellis. I'm from uh, Lorton, Georgia and um, well we just uh, my family just we have had a crest on our heart to go back to a church that we had visited when we first moved to where we live. And it's two months before the first of the church year, little did we know. And we get there and everybody's like tired. Meaning the few younger ones, you know, have been carrying the load and they're like, fresh meat. And it's like, no, 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 you don't understand. <laughs> I've been the one shadowing, like trying to get my life straight because I, I had so much with, in common with the guy that we just heard. And um, so I've been I've been sitting under, you know, people. And so anyway, um, I'm going to help with GAs and um, women on missions. <laughs> so um, that's, that's what I'm going to and my takeaway is to learn how to do something. And, and it's like you said, it's so important to invest the relationships. And um, my heart is kids that come from broken homes that have to deal with the things that are going on in school. You know, and, um, and there's so much worse now than even when we were in school. And so that, that's my takeaway, and that's that's where I want to go back and be able to do all the help that's been given to me. I'm going to do it back. I'm Sharon Wright. I'm from County Baptist Church in White Cross, Georgia. Um, my husband's pastor of that church. We're a small country rural church. And I'm like you. I feel like we're going on eight years now, but when we first went there, it was like, Oh yeah! <laughs> um, I have a part and a passion for mission and vacation Bible school. And so my first leadership role was to become an BBS director because if not, we would not have BBS that year. And so, um, and I, I love it. So I took on that role and. Last year, I didn't do it because of some health concerns. And we kind of, we had somebody that took it and did a one-day BBS. But it broke my heart because the one thing that they left out of that one-day BBS was mission. Mark it off. We don't have time for that. Well, myself being pastor's wife, my husband, first thing he said was, Sherry, you keep your mouth shut, don't you? <laughs> 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 That's what I, I mean, that was a big thing for me. So, um, 
I am Phoebe. Uh, now this year, I've taken back on the role for Phoebe Hill's director of my, my health better and body. They were all like, are you going to do it again, Sherry? Pray for me that the Lord helps me do it. But yes, we're going to do it again. And we will have missions. Um, but I am the uh, children's leader of our Sunday school division. And um, we don't have our ACAs. We have a WANAS ministry. Um, which, you know, WANAS is a great ministry. But the part that they don't change is that I'm that's right. It's the totally it is, it's commissions part that's left out. So, like Lisa said, I think it would be awesome to have one Wednesday night a month yeah. set aside for tonight's going to be missions night. Have a special guest in speaker or just somebody from our community that has a testimony that's been on missions and what have you. Um, that everybody just kind of passion. So what my takeaway is to try to, what can I do to get people to have that passion without overstepping my boundaries and saying the pastor's wife is trying to we need to do this. So just kind of be in the background and suggest it. But um, that's not well, see, I grew up RAs and GAs. My kids grew up RAs and GAs. And so when we came into the, where we're at now, it was a one of it's, it's been different from this. Sure. Yeah. I taught GAs all, you know, when my kids were. Well, it's important for all of us to get to know each other and to really take some time to do that because you need to know that you're not alone. You know, sometimes, and I feel this way sometimes, I'm like, man, I'm carrying this load all by myself. No, you're, you've got you're surrounded by people who all have the same passion and the same desire for missions, or just for children in general. That you and you can you know, connect with each other and support each other. I think that's important. Baptists are independent people. We can't lose that independence, but we come together in common things like this. You know, this is the whole reason why we're here. So. And I'm also the one in our church that promotes all the well, so we're talking about story. We're talking about um, the importance of our s- stories from the Bible in particular. And I want to introduce you to a resource that might help you with that, um, with your children's groups. Um, this is called Tell the Story. Um, and what it is, you may have rec- you may recognize this here. This is Bible story and claw. It's very popular with a lot of our um, IMB missionaries, in particular, because it transcends language, uh, transcends culture. Because you're able to really, you know, tell the story in a way that's appropriate for the people who are hearing it. But you can use these visuals um, to sort of help guide you as the storyteller, but also to help guide the minds of the people who are telling the stories too. Um, and what I want to do. You guys are willing. Uh, is split up into groups of two, pair up, and try to tell one of these stories using these resources. So what I'll do, I'll take this out here. Is everyone comfortable with that, first of all? Okay, you wouldn't tell me otherwise, would you? 
So what I'll do is I'll take out the section that you are in charge of, and what you'll do is we have in this in this resource the story written down for you. And what I'm encouraging you to do is to read it through three times. Read it through once to be familiar with it. Close your eyes, think about it, visualize it. Read it through twice, a little bit slower, a little bit more carefully, a little more about you know what details that I miss uh, in my remembering of the first time. And then read it through a third time, very deliberately, and say, okay, what pieces of the story are the fundamental truths that I need to communicate to these, this group right here, eventually to your kids, and then what details really make this story important. Um, so we'll do that, um, because I think one thing that happens with stories over time is if you don't, if you're not careful, you will lose large chunks of the stories. And I know, like, we could probably just tell these stories just by looking at the pictures, but I'm not going to be able to remember all the detail that really is important to remember. Um, so this is one way to take care of that. So what I'm going to do is we'll give this to each of you. Okay. You'll pair up with your partner. One of you will be the storyteller, and one of you will be the story holder. You'll hold up the cloth and point. So if that's more of your spiritual gift, you can do that. <laughs> if you're like me and don't necessarily care to speak in front of people. You never know. You fold. Okay. Okay, and then you three can be. Okay. So, again, what we're going to do is we're going to read through this three times. So, and read through it out loud. Maybe the first time is in your own mind, but you got to be able to be comfortable saying it out loud. And as you're reading this, remember, you're encouraging your kids to also be storytellers as well. You're providing a mentor of all of them. So we've gotten through that too. A couple more minutes and we'll get started. Before we get started, if you're feeling a little bit nervous, this is what I want to say to you. people. You are filled you're not doing this by yourself. God is using you as a vessel to speak through, to be able to transmit a, a timeless truth about who He is and how He cares about us. Feeling powerful. It's not only you, but you have the whole story. It's going to be great. Okay, so that is going to start here. We're going to walk in order and go through. We're going to tell the story, okay? So we'll have our, our story plot holder and our storyteller come up here and tell us the story. Put the fire in the background. You're gonna do great. <laughs> oh, 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 this is the most important thing. You can do it. Just a cheat sheet. You can do it. I wasn't gonna read it. You got it. Sky, there was no ground. Um, he created that, and he saw that it was good. He filled the sky 
So they were glad to have been able to live in this garden, and they could eat freely of any of the fruits of the other trees in the garden. There was even a stream that flowed through this garden. Um, and the best thing about the garden was that God walked every evening with Adam in this garden. So they lived happily, taking care of the um, garden. One day, one day that serpent came in, and he spoke to Eve. And he says, did God really tell you that you can't eat any of the fruits of the, on the trees of this garden? And she says, oh no. God didn't tell us we couldn't eat any of the fruits on the trees. There's just one tree in particular we can't eat the fruit off of that tree. And the serpent says, well, surely you don't believe that. God didn't say that, right? He just doesn't want you to be wise like you. Because you be like God and you eat this fruit. So Eve got to really thinking about that. And she said, you know, that fruit does look really delicious. So one day she reached out her hand and she took a fruit off that tree and she bit into it. And then she And immediately they knew that they had done wrong and they were ashamed. And they knew that God was going to be coming to walk with them that evening in the garden. So, in the garden. so they were ashamed and they said, how are we going to hide from them? We don't want to talk to them. So they found some big leaves and they tried to cover themselves and hide from God. Well, God um, arrived that evening as usual and he asked them, where are, where are you out of me? And finally he saw them and he said, have you done what I told you not to? Have you eaten off that fruit? And yes, they did. They were remorseful. Well, he had to punish them so they were no longer allowed to live in the garden. They had to work very hard from that day forward. But God didn't stop loving them. He promised them that he would continue to love them and that he would one day send a rescuer that would save them. Too much punishment. 
I, I won't be able to handle that. And um, God, in His grace, He still loved him, even though he had done wrong. And He gave him the grace. He said, um, I will put a mark on you so that no one will kill you and that you will be saved and I will protect you. And um, Adam and Eve had another son. Because when, when that happened, then Cain went away. So they had not only lost Cain because of what he had done, but their son was killed. And again, in God's grace, he gave them Seth. And Seth had a son named Noah. Okay, so many years after Adam and Eve and Adam and Abel lived, there was a man named Noah, and Noah loved God, and he obeyed God. And everybody else in the world besides Noah and his family, there are lots of people living in the world, and everybody else disobeyed God and felt very wicked. And they just did whatever they wanted to do, and Noah and his family stood out because they loved and obeyed God. And so God decided to destroy the world in the flood. And he wanted to save Noah and his family. And so he told Noah to build a big old ark, an old boat, that would fit all of the animals on the earth and his family. And so Noah obeyed God again and he made the big boat. And then once the two animals of each kind, you see those two giraffes in there and those two lions, I think, and some birds. So once he got two by two of every animal in the boat, the Lord sent the rain. And it rained and it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. Okay, after 150 days of Noah sent out a raven to see if it was dry. And he was not able to uh, find land. And then after seven days, Noah sent out a dove. And he too was not able, he came back with a uh, olive branch in his mouth. So it was getting dry out there, but he still came back to be on the earth and to home. Another seven days, Noah sent him out and he didn't return and he was dry. So Noah and all of the boys and their wives and his wife went out to Ark and they built an altar for the Lord and praised God for the Lord. And uh, God put a promise in the sky, the rainbow, both for them and for himself that he would never destroy the earth by flood again. And he told them to go and multiply the flood because of the earth. But you see how God keeps his promises and he cares for Say we learn from y'all because y'all knew about it. We God told Abram to leave the land where he and his family and neighbors live and go to the land that he was going to show him. So Abram took his wife Sarah and his nephew Lot and he traveled where God told him to go. He traveled to the land of Canaan and while they were in Canaan, God said, this is the land that I'm going to give you and your family. 
and God talked to Abram, and there Abram built an altar where God talked to him. He passed through Canaan and kept traveling where God told him to go, and God told them, I am God, your protector. And one day I'm going to give you this land, and you're going to have a great reward. And Abram told God, how can that be? Sarah and I have no children. And he said, look up at the stars. You can't even count them all. That's how many descendants you're going to have. And he looked up at the sky and the stars. That's a little bit hard to believe. But Abram trusted God and believed God. So he continued on. And one day, God appeared to Abram and told him that you are going to have many children. And one day, I'm going to give you that land of Canaan and many of your descendants will live there forever and ever. And so Abram trusted God and obeyed God. And God had told him, I am the strong God, obey me. And Abram did what God asked him to do. So when God was talking to him, Sarai overheard this, and she kind of laughed because she and Abram were old, and she didn't believe or had a little bit of doubt that God might do this. But God says, this time next year, you're going to have a son, and you're going to call him Isaac. I'm going to give you a son. And Abram believed God. At that point, God changed their names from Abram to Abraham and Sarai to Sarah. And in one year, exactly what God said would happen, happened. Sarah had a baby, and they named him Isaac. And God did give them the land of Canaan, and even today, Many Hebrews and Jews still live in the land of Canaan. That was great, guys. We have a bunch of storytellers in this room. And you'll notice that each group had their own unique take on it. Each storyteller had their own voice, their own unique voice, and each uh, story holder had their own unique uh, <laughs> way to yeah, tell the story as well. And that's important. That's that's a good thing. If we all look the same, if we all talk the same, the children that we're going to be speaking to are all different. And they need to see all these different voices. Um, examples for them. And what better way to, to tell these kind of truths to them than through a sword? You know? I think a lot of times we get complacent with reading curriculum. And curriculum is great. I mean, whether it be a WANA or a Team Kid or, or one of the organizations that we support at National WU, um, it's fantastic stuff. But um, kids maybe don't always want their face buried in a magazine, you know, having to read these different things. They want to hear you tell it from your heart. Um, but by using resources like this, you can make sure that what you're telling from your heart is as accurate as can be, um, because those are the details that you do matter. Um, so thank you for going in on that. Another thing that's important to do um, while you're telling these stories um, to your children is to tell your own story. You know, that's something that's not scripted. It's something that you, I guess, written the script as you would it. Um, and, and that's the story of your own testimony. How God has worked in your life, how you became a Christian, how you met Jesus, you know, how you developed a relationship. Um, but then also, yeah, what God has been doing in your life since that time. Um, it's important for kids to hear those stories as well, um, because they need to start identifying and connecting those dots in their own lives also. And again, 
maybe not all of us feel comfortable speaking in front of groups, maybe not all of us are comfortable sharing these kind of stories, but it's vital, absolutely vital and um, Because what you're doing is you're sharing an example for these kids to learn about, but you're also empowering them to go out and tell their own stories. Um, so think about if you told one of these stories on a Wednesday night or Sunday morning, how cool it would be if that story stuck with those kids and they were able to tell us all these different things. It's going to be amazing. Um, one more thing about this resource. If you guys will open up, you should have a catalog that we handed out to you. It looks like this. It's got this really bright green thing on the bottom. You'll open up to page 55. You'll see a little bit more information about the Tell the Story resource. Um, this this really is a great way to connect um, stories of Bible with, with your kids and uh, in a way that, that I think will really stick with them uh, for the long run. Um, it has the story cloth that comes with it, so you've got the visual, um, and, but if you already have this for whatever reason, um, make sure that you check out the resources that come along with this. The guided storytelling, like what we used um, just now, um, I mean, you can read through that, what, in 15 minutes before you before you meet with your kids, and you're able to tell a very accurate depiction of this father's story. Um, I'm not trying to push any products here. I'm just trying to tell you there are resources that can help you accomplish this work. Um, I've seen a lot of uh, groups with children use this. I've also seen a lot of groups um, with special needs folks using this, all the way up into adult, adult years. But the visuals are really important, and I think I've seen it done different ways where they'll have a whole box so they can see the whole story all at once. I've seen people cut it into sections and then sort of only show those pictures a little bit at a time. Um, this one special needs class that I'm thinking of, they would take each lesson and then they would hang it up on the wall in the picture frame so that at the end of the year they could look back and tell all those stories throughout the whole year. Which I thought was great, but they're only taking it a little piece at a time, you know, so it's not so Another thing that's cool about this is that it also exists in Espanol. Diga la historia. So, tell the story again in Spanish. I think that this is a great resource for folks. Um, you know, if you have ESL classes that you're working with, I know last night there was a lady who um, takes care of kids while the parents are taking classes. I think this is great. Um, if you're comfortable telling the story, because again, the stories are true in any language, um, but in this language, you can reach some people that would otherwise be Are there any questions or any other thoughts that we want to think of? Have you told stories in your groups? And, and tell me how that's gone. What, what have been some challenges for you? Well, the GA. Uh, I know sometimes you hear we say, well, our kids aren't getting the Bible, and not getting the Bible, just to go to the curriculum. But we do, we can say Bible, and we can say everybody. And, and I never skip that. There's some reason we have a thing that we don't need, and not with the least of time for the long story. But I have found that what I do is I just share from my heart. It is very easy for me to get caught up in looking at uh, I know the last time that we had a story, it was just a snippet of the whole story of Ruth. But I just, it's four chapters. So from my heart, I shared the story of Ruth. And it was 
very much a teachable time for the Bible because we're seeing how, you know, it's, it's a love story. And um, the kinsman redeemer, that part of the story is very often left out when we have children's curriculum to talk about that. But God's provision of that. But anyway, it doesn't take the minute. You can share the whole story of Esther from your heart. It's short. Share that from your heart. Just the story, you have that there as a resource, but then there's also these activities and stuff. And then there's also um, five day Bible story telling plans for like mission trips or backyard, backyard Bible school type stuff if you want to do that. So, so I think it's a helpful resource if you want um, Anybody else? Anybody else from personal experience? Setting a moment, setting something aside to say, okay, out of our daily routine, out of our normal schedule, we're doing something special, right? And this is going to be something that maybe you have them sit in a different area, or you like dim the lights and have some sort of you know, fire fake thing, you know, that you're just gathering around. Just to sort of, I don't know, set it apart from the normal routine. Um, and it sticks with kids too. I think um, another thing that's important is to encourage them to tell the story. So you, you know, model that for them, 
But then maybe within even the second lesson, give them a chance to tell that story back to their where we actually know the lesson ahead of time and we have little strips of paper and we give them each child of paper because we have active children. They don't they wouldn't sit very lucky they'd be finding something to do. So in order to incorporate and get them involved, wherever the story, for example, if there's one strip of paper for our lesson could have been count the number of stars. Well sometimes we have problems and sometimes we don't sometimes we allow them to have them, it depends. But anyways, when it came that time of the story, and that would be my little strip, and I would be talking, they would actually have to stand up and do something that would require them to be looked like, like yeah. I was doing with the walking or whatever. Right. And so they would be like looking up or looking like the stars, you know, with their telescope or, you know, like looking at the stars during that time. And then when they would go to the next one, they would sit down and the other person would wait, you know, to the next. And it would involve them. And people were just like curious as to see who's going to be next. Uh, to find out what's going to come next in the sport. So that's great. Yeah. And also, I don't know if they'll use this trick or not, but we have this thing where we tell stories sometimes and they, we have a key set of words. Like if I say God, anytime I say the word God, we point up, you know, so that keeps them in check too because I'll say, and you know, when God, and then every, you know, everybody will look around and say, oh, we said we're supposed to you know, point out God. It keeps them focused. And each group is different. I mean, sometimes, uh, you know, oral storytelling is great for a certain groups. I think it does connect with most children. But sometimes you got to incorporate a movement. you got to incorporate, you know, them responding in some way. I think that's good. Um, one thing that I've found that really works, and you all probably have done this too, um, is as you're telling the story, um, they draw out the story um, while they're listening. Because I don't know about y'all, but when I'm sitting in a sermon, I love to doodle. And usually I'm drawing something that is about what I'm listening to, usually. Um, but it really helps me apply the story in a way that, that really sinks in for me. Um, I'm not a great note-taker. I don't really like doing that kind of thing. But I, I'll draw a picture. You know, it doesn't look great. But it does communicate something to me. Um, I think that's important. Another thing, while they're telling the stories themselves, let them get up and, and draw a picture and say, you know, you can use this as a resource if you want to with the you know, story block. Let them draw it out as it happens. And the the thing is, there you gotta sometimes reel them in because they might get a little silly, a little bit crazy. But with some practice, I think you can do really. Have three, four, five year olds in second school this past Sunday. Put on Oh yeah, good. She had papers, so I just went in my closet, my linen closet, before church, and I. Grab this pile of sheets and my husband will bring it up and we're gonna do the chairs. That's cool. And so we That's just sweet. took the chairs. I had them each to build there. They had such a good time. Yeah. But it was just like I'm like, well, kids just know don't do stuff like that. That's right. They're showing right. each other's stuff. I mean we used to do that. We used to play with big tents all the time. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we do. Yeah, something about doing something like that that encourages their their imagination in a way that an iPad or something just doesn't do. You know, that's really cool. Four and five year old Tennessee teacher is really great, and um, she does the acting thing that you know, her class and her student, but then she's also in the story. So uh, when she was doing the story of Mary and Joseph traveling. 
he was upset and pouting and all that. And related back to that, have you ever gotten upset with your parents or because of a brother and sister about something you didn't think? And, you know, how did, did you get punished? You know, they still loved you. God works the same way. You know, you know, there's way, like you said, to teach them that God will love us, give us praise, and all those things yeah. in the story. So it's not just a story. But it's related to them. Yeah. They've told these these stories happen in the time and place, but they've been told for thousands of years because they are so important to us. I think it's important to draw. Um, our time is up, but one last thing I want to leave you with is we tell these stories in the hopes of transforming the lives of the children that you interact with, but I also hope that you see it as an opportunity to transform yourself. Um, through repetition, through actually telling these things, you're changing something in your own heart. And and as you are a vessel for these stories, you are going through this thing as well. So just be attuned to that and be open to what the Spirit is going to do through you. Thank you all so much for joining us today, and I hope you have a great rest of your day and good rest of the time. Oh, I have, I have my card if you guys want to. Thank you.